And in B2B software, even 20, 30 years ago, you would have bought an application for a year and then you would have paid a maintenance fee every year to be able to have upgrades and updates to it. So they just basically took that amount of money and spread it over the month and the year for you. That's how I think of it. But yeah, it's certainly the norm now is uh, SaaS. If we have a massive deadline and it's all hands, yeah, you're not coming in saying, hey, I gotta be gone on the most important day of the year for the company. You're gonna be here because you care about the company. So we call it life balance. It's about what works for you and what works for the company and find the balance in that. Claims Game Podcast is here and I'm your host, Vince Perry, the commercial claims advocate owner of Elite Resolutions, a public adjusting firm. And today we have an amazing guest. One of my favorite guests because he's a CEO, he's a business owner of a company that was once small and is now ginormous. And it's the owner of, of Job Nimbus, Ben Hodson. All of you roofing contractors know what Job Nimbus is. Most of you guys actually use it. Uh, public adjusters, you probably don't use it. I will tell you right now, we are in a transition to Job Nimbus to see how it's going to work for us. But besides that, what a great guy, what a smart guy, and what a culture of core values, of core focuses, of just an overall work environment that everybody actually loves to work for this organization because of what they have implemented into the culture and into the company. It's a great conversation about how you should be running your business, how you should be growing your business, where it's all about the people and not so much about anything else. So I hope you enjoy this episode of the Claims Gain Podcast. We're going to get to it right now. Here we go. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry. All right, we are on with somebody that I'm very, very, very excited to speak to. Uh, luckily, I've had a chance to speak with Ben uh, in the past, just just for a little bit, just to get to know him a little bit more. And it seems like we've got a lot in common, definitely when it comes to just our passion for business. So I'm really excited to bring Ben Hodson on, CEO, co-founder of Job Nimbus. Welcome, Ben. Hey, you're awesome, Vince. It's been great chatting with you. <clears throat> yeah, no, for sure. And it just we just always get off on rants about about just running a business, entrepreneurship, and all the things that go on into doing it. It's just it's just so complex that uh, I don't think people realize what really what what is what really is entailed in in actually running a business. There's so many moving parts, and it's just there's so much to talk about all the time. I love it. Yeah, it's uh, the thing that I love about business is that something is always going wrong. There, there's no business that doesn't always have something going wrong. And so there's always new problems to solve. It's just always exciting and interesting. Plus, I love back to the wall. You got to make it happen every day. It feels like you're living every day because of it, you know? Listen up, advocates. Whether you're a public adjuster, contractor, or an attorney, if you have a client that has suffered any kind of catastrophic loss, whether that be by fire or storm or just any catastrophic loss that requires your client to have to move out and incur ALE and loss of use coverage, you need to think about looking at Black Diamond Services. This is an incredible idea for a service that I think is extremely valuable and I've actually personally used uh, for my clients myself. Basically, what they do is they provide all of the necessary money 
that needed as needed to be done for the homeowner uh, to go and move to another place, whether that be a hotel or another home or whatever it is, they basically bill through their insurance policies, loss of use coverage, and basically they provide financial assistance so that the insured never has to incur any out-of-pocket expenses. It's an amazing service. I love the people at Black Diamond Services, especially Millie Varela. If you just contact her and contact Black Diamond Services, I'm telling you, they're going to take care of your climate clients like you wouldn't believe. I personally have a client who suffered a fire damage and had to use their ALE coverage. And all we did was refer them to Black Diamond. Our clients did not have to come out of pocket a single penny. Black Diamond provided all of the financial um, uh, money and they provided the actual location for the homeowner to stay. Amazing service. Contact Black Diamond Services today so you could find out more information for yourself. Well, I just I just told you before we started recording that I just went through a full day workshop uh, at Strategic Coach with the team from Dan, uh, Dan Sullivan's team, <clears throat> and they sent me a team success video series to watch. And it's mm. really it's for the leadership team and it's for the people who actually work in the organization. So my organization's not huge, uh, but we've got a four person leadership team. I uh, hope I'm not missing anybody. Yeah, four-person leadership team. And they're just like, send this to them. They'll get a better understanding of what it's like to work in this business. And I've watched the first couple of chapters of it. And it's just really interesting how it talks about an entrepreneur organization being so much different than like a corporate organization. And it talks about you're going to be trying a lot of things, taking risks here and there to figure stuff out as you go, as sure. opposed to as opposed to more non-risk things, not trying as many new things out in a way, you know, it's just the difference between working at an entrepreneurial organization as opposed to as opposed to working for, I guess, say corporate America, it just seems like a lot more fun. It's a lot more risk. There's a lot more different things involved. Things are changing on a daily basis, but it's the way they the way they did it in the video is really cool. They make it just seem like it and it is just an exciting thing that changes every single day, day in and day out. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're listening and saying, well, I don't have any problems in my business, then you're definitely not pushing your business far enough because if you're trying to grow and really achieve something impressive, you will have tons of problems. That's the whole yeah. fun of it. I agree. I agree. So tell us more a little bit about yourself, Ben, and then we can get into Job Nimbus and about the history of that. But tell us, tell us more about yourself first, Ben. Yeah. I mean, I think it, a way to start is just to say how curious I am I have a broad range of interests that I'm into. So when a new employee starts at Job Nimbus, they'll usually say, oh, what, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay, well, I've written a, a book. It's a horror Western story. I've uh, written five different comic series. I've written two short films that both won film festivals. I'm an avid off-roader, mountain biker, climber, uh, you know, surfer, uh, do a lot of boating. I, I have broad range of just fun things I like to do and creative things. And then I'm a longtime entrepreneur. Job Nimbus is the 10th company that I've started in my career. Kind of crazy. So I've learned a lot. Um, at my age, that means some of those companies didn't work out. I mean, at one point I was um, on the edge of bankruptcy, uh, but I've had other big successes. And one of my companies already sold for over a billion dollars and um, hoping the Job Nimbus can be the next one. That's amazing. So 10 companies before Job Nimbus. Well, Job Nimbus is the tenth, so nine before. But yeah, all similar kinds of companies, software companies, or all different kinds. All software. I love software. I I uh, went to the University of Washington up in Seattle, and I got a degree in business, and then a second degree in computer science. So I, two, I have two bachelors, and so I know how to code, but I also know how to run a business. 
and I've played on both sides. I've been a CTO, chief technology officer in a lot of my companies, and then CEO in other companies. So were you, okay, so you are, you, you've played the different roles in all of the different yep. companies then. Yep. And so I love software built, like, you know, I can code stuff myself. I mean, these days I don't do a lot of coding with the size of job Nimbus, but, um, you know, first version of the product, some of my codes in there. So the, uh, that helped me, but I always love software. And, uh, in the last five years, I've been much more, or sorry, 10 years, I've been much more into software as a subscription. So I love the idea of being able to deliver con consistent value every month to the customer to get them to keep paying for this cool tool and then back up all their data and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's obviously, I think that, that's a direction that software is, I think it, it's just kind of gone, right? Because it yeah. used to be just a one-time thing you pay for, you upload it into your computer and then that was it. Now it's a subscription, so pretty much everything is subscription-based, no? It's debatable if it was ever really a one-time thing. If you look at most software in history, with the exception of somebody like, yes, you buy Office and you'd have Office for a few years on your computer, but we're talking about business software. So all the things I've done, Actually, no, I've done two B2C, but most stuff's been B2B, uh, business to business. And in B2B software, even 20, 30 years ago, you would have bought an application for a year and then you would have paid a maintenance fee every year to be able to have upgrades and updates to it. So they just basically took that amount of money and spread it over the month and the year for you. That's how I think of it. But yeah, it's certainly the norm now is uh, SaaS. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm not necessarily a software guy, so I don't want to get into things that I'm not too <laughs> clear about. What I would like to do is really provide value to our audience who are a lot of contractors, public adjusters, attorneys who are very, very familiar with Job Nimbus. Tell us about Job Nimbus and sort of the history behind that. And then I want to talk about where you're at now and then where you're looking at for the future. Yeah. So one of the things that really uh, was interesting uh, let's go back to 2012. I'm running a different company as a software consulting company. Typically between my businesses, I'll just run consulting for a year. Why? Because I get exposed to a ton of different problems. Like, ooh, that's interesting. Let's go code something on that. Ooh, that's interesting. Oh, that's just kind of a one-off thing. Ooh, there's a lot of pain here. Hmm. This is, I'm sort of, my mind's starting to obsess over it maybe this is the next thing I want to do. And I sort of, I have to believe in it with my whole heart and soul to do one of these things, right? Because you, the money's not enough. You have to be there for a bigger why than the money to keep going through the hard times. So we sure. met up uh, with an adjuster, actually, funny enough, uh, Dave Hickey. I don't know, you know him out of, I think he's in Florida now. So he was doing adjusting for roofers, uh, remodeling companies, that sort of thing down in Colorado. And we got in, uh, invited to his office through a friend of a friend. Long story short, there were actually some home exterior contractors in the office. There's like gutter guy and roofing guy and that sort of thing. That was my first experience really talking to these guys about their problems around technology. Most of my customers previous to Job Nimbus had been um, white collar businesses that we were selling to, didn't really do a lot of the smaller business stuff. And so uh, I'm talking to them and I'm going, man, I really like these people. They're, they're super straight shooters. They are like uh, entrepreneurs just like me. They're super scrappy like I am. And then they said, well, the software in this industry sucks. Now it did. There was, there was no cloud-based app at the time. 
There was no mobile app. Everybody was like installing a server in their office to run things. It was ridiculous, you know? And uh, I realized in hindsight that the smartest people in America and technology were trying to figure out how to make Twitter run faster, not trying to help contractors. And we said, man, this is something we're really interested in. So we built a first version of Job Nimbus and just gave it out for free. Well, uh, say that again, Ben, because uh, you froze up for a second. That uh, people were trying to help run Twitter faster and not trying to help what? Sorry. Yeah, the best minds in America were trying to figure out how to make Twitter run faster, not help contractors. Uh, what I realized in hindsight was that the best minds in America that were in technology were trying to figure out how to make Twitter and Facebook run faster, not actually helping real people like contractors. And we said, man, we are good at technology. And you know what? Everybody else in this industry is actually a contractor that's trying to make software. And, and we're actually a software guy trying to make software and it was a, we have a real opportunity to do something innovative here. So we came out with the cloud-based, it was mobile app, it was you know the whole shebang on that and really got a foothold and started growing, especially by 2015, we're growing really rapidly. And so what's been the road since then? You got 2012, you figured out this is a need, this is a pain point. 2015, yep. we start to grow rapidly. What's it been, what's the road like been since then? Yeah, so one of the things about, uh, Job Nimbus, we, we started the company bootstrapped and just put my mo own money in and my partner, Nick, put his money in and we, we launched the company off of that. I've raised a lot of money in my career, probably at this point, over $200 million at, uh, that I've raised from different venture capital, that sort of thing. And so I know how to raise money, but I will tell you one of the secrets to raising money is never raise money when you need it. Raise money when you're ready to grow with it. Because if you raise money when you need it, you will lose all control of your company and not get very much money. <laughs> and uh, if you raise it when you're ready to grow with it, you'll get a great valuation. You'll have a lot more say in your future of your company. And, uh, and you'll also be ready for the money. Because that's the other thing. People raise money so early before they... There's two phases to any business. There's product market fit phase, where you're trying to figure out, is this the right customer to sell to? And is this the right thing to sell to them? And then what? And then there's go to market phase, which is we've already figured out the product in the market. Now we're trying to figure out how to optimize to ship as much product as fast as possible and service customers. Usually, you know you're moving from PMF to go to market because demand starts outstripping your ability to keep up. Once you have too many customers, you can't keep up with it. That's when you need to start building more processes and operations. That was going to be my question. What was the tipping point? When did you realize, okay, now's the time to get this money. Now's the time to infuse the business with money and take it to the next level. Yep. So even though we were growing in 2015, we were profitable since then uh, and had a really good business, we weren't having explosive growth. We were easily keeping up with our small staff, with all of the customers and that sort of thing. Going out of 2018 into 2019, we start... Uh, seeing that we're like, whoa, we got to hire more people. It's just, this is getting out of hand. We got so many people that want job news. And it wasn't until 2020, the, actually end of 2019, early 2020, that we're like, holy cow, we can barely keep our heads above water. We are like overwhelmed by the demand. And that's when we had explosive amount of hiring. 
And we grew massively. We more than doubled the company in one year in terms of revenue. Um, less than 1% chance that a SaaS company could grow as fast as we did in that period. Uh, go ahead. Storm, restora- storm restoration. I mean, that has a lot to do with it. 2017, 2016, yep. 2018, you've got all this excess amount of hurricanes hitting Louisiana, Texas, Florida throughout. I mean, there was at least one to four a year. I insane. mean, that that is directly related to to your to your, you know, burst of 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 growth. Yep. So that now we're like, okay, we've got to build more processes in place. We've got to actually establish more a structure to the company in terms of management and everything like that, build an executive team. And then I said, oh, this is a good time to go out and raise money because when you don't need the money, when you just say, hey, we can grow even faster with the money, then you can get a great valuation. So uh, you mean you you didn't have your processes in place beforehand, Ben? How (laughs) irresponsible of you. What you do is you do enough process to not fall apart. And then, and then, and you continually do that. Even now our processors are so much more sophisticated and yet we're always refining them. The other thing you'll notice as you grow, whatever you're doing right now will stop working and you have to refactor. This is actually the innovator's dilemma. Whatever's making you money right now will stop making you money at some point unless you change, but you're so tied to what's working that you don't want to go and take the risk on something that might not work as much. And that's why every business has a life cycle and goes out of business over time. I always laugh at a couple of things. One of the things is when people tell me that they're just starting a business and and they're struggling and whatever it is. And I, I honestly tell them, I'm like, honestly, that's like the most fun is right in the beginning when you have the initial idea and you just burst into action. It's as you continue to grow, is like you were saying at the beginning of the podcast was every day there's a million problems that you have to solve. So it actually gets more and more difficult. And then the other thing that I've realized is you're right. I don't know how many levels there are. I'm guessing it's a kind of, uh, it doesn't end. It's infinity amount of, of levels, infinite. infinite. Yeah. But there are levels, I feel like, right? There are levels and I, I consult some firms and I consult some business people and I know where they're at because I've been at that level and I almost know where your next level and your level after that and your level after that's going to be because- I'm, I might be at that level right now. And then when I was like speaking to you the other day, it's like, okay, Ben's like way up here and, <laughs> and I can tell him my issues. And, and it's why now I got to the point where I need to surround myself with more entrepreneurs. I need to surround myself with more successful business people. I'm part of several different entrepreneur organizations that aren't networking at all. It's literally just to have another shoulder to cry on and people who understand the level that I'm at right now, who have already been there, who have already solved those problems and can sort of help you continue to grow. So yeah, I love that. It's just interesting, all the different levels. Okay. So, so you, as you see, by the way, one of the things that may be relevant for everybody on the, uh, on this, uh, listening to this, if you are early, early stage, you talk about being really fun, partially because it's all on you. And a lot of entrepreneurs are really good with the think of it, execute it. Nobody can see as well as I can about what I'm trying to do. And, and that's why they're special and really unique individuals. Where they struggle is scale. Most of those people don't realize that the, the things you're good at right now as the small stage are not the things the company needs as much of as you get bigger. In fact, they hold the company back 
at some point, because then you don't, you take on everything and then all the burdens are on you and you don't actually scale anything. Um, so the big aha moment for me in business was going, it's all, as you scale, the bigger you get, the more all you deal with is people, people issues. That, that's, that's strategy and people. people and, and all people the execution ask, goes away. People <clears> ask me, what's the key? Like, what's the key to scaling, the key to growth, the key to success? And I always tell them, it's always one word for me and one answer, one word is people. It's always yeah. people. And my aha moment was my first two hires. They were around the same time. It was my, my, my administrative assistant and I hired two administrative assistants and I got lucky. I hit home runs on both of them. That was three years ago. They're still with me today. And that was my aha moment where I'm just like, whoa, okay. Now they're executing on my level. Thank God they yeah. buy in. They're executing on my level and it allows me to do the other things. And honestly, you know, again, Dan Sullivan has a great book called Who Not How. It's yeah. really when, when you are when you are trying to figure out a situation, I'm always going straight to who can help me out with this? Who mm -hmm. do I need to hire? Should I call Ben and ask him what he thinks? You know, yeah. who is it? Honestly, but it's always like a who thing. And that's the way that's the way I, I that's the way we're continuing to grow. It's just figuring out who could help us out with different things as my crazy ideas and my mind continues to go from one thing to the next. Yeah, that's exactly right. So then you say, wow, well, how would you get good at people? Well, most of it, like I'm telling you, entrepreneurs, I have this conversation all the time. I'm like, ooh, I hate the idea of that because you got to study psychology. You got to study persuasion. You got to study how to align. What's a true, when somebody thinks of somebody who's a great leader, what are they good at? They're good at convincing a bunch of people to follow down some path. Well, guess what? Most entrepreneurs are like, I hate doing that. I, I, I'm actually the opposite of that. I don't want to do that. Well, if you want to be truly great, you've got to get good at those things. Um, there's a book called Presuasion. I don't know if you've ever heard of that or read it. Highly recommend on tactics for learning how to persuade people. Now, that book can be used for evil. You can manipulate people with that book. But if you know the, the, the triggers and how it works, you can use those things for good uh, to actually align a bunch of people around a goal, which is really what leadership's all about, I think. My thing with leadership, which it took me a while when I hired my first, my good friend who became my business coach, um, my initial thing, I had actually pretty much, I failed at two, three management positions. And then I had my own tennis academy, my own business, and I kind of failed at that too. And yeah. I, I told him, I'm like, look, I'm a terrible leader. And he's like, I don't <laughs> think you're a terrible leader because it, it's true. Leadership is it's very it's kind of it's, it's very vague, I think, in a way on the actual things that you need. I think persuasion is very important uh, to convince people to follow you. I also think just trying to establish a, a, a good positive culture, I think, for me, <laughs> is what works for me. For me, it's our core values. It's just. Yep. It's basically, Same. you know, treating everybody with with respect, treating everybody like an adult, treating everybody like they're almost a partner in the company, not an employee. You take in all of their feedback. You listen to what they're doing. You implement things that even maybe you're like, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see how it goes. If it's not yeah. if it's not a terrible idea. So everybody feels like they're involved. I was actually thinking about this yesterday. It's just like, what is it that makes me a good leader that helps people follow? And it's honestly, it's that. And I tell them all the time and I tell people and they kind of laugh at me, but I almost work for them. 
Like mm -hmm. I'm like there almost to serve them. I'm not doing a lot of the minutia stuff, right? I have, luckily we have people in place to do that, but you know, like, let's go. Like we're all in this together. We're all a culture. I'm, I'm big on the, I'm a huge, Miami, a huge Miami heat fan. And they always talk about heat culture, heat culture, heat culture. And every time somebody tries to explain it, it's always such a vague answer. You never really get a crystal clear thing. It's just something that, I don't know, it just sort of develops on, I think, just treating other human beings with utmost respect and really listening to them and then having them just join this like, you know, this one ship and all of you guys ship together. I kind of went on a rant there, but do you understand what I mean? Yeah. I, there, I, I get most people, by the way, culture is very nebulous and leadership is very nebulous. They know it when they see it, but they don't know how to define it. This right. may be the way I'd say. And um, honestly, most people, when you ask them, like, what's a good culture in a company? They'll say, oh, well, they have an Xbox and, uh, you know, they have a happy hour on Friday afternoons. Or they'll say, oh, we're, we're, we're totally killing it on revenue right now. But that's not really culture. Those are sort of like extraneous. I think culture is how you talk about the company when you're not there. So the average employee, what do they say to their family, to their friends about the company? That's your real culture, honestly. And they say that they really align with what the company's doing and they love working there and they love the people, then you've got a great culture. Um, but a lot of times they don't say that. They say thing, a lot of negative stuff and that means you've got some problems with their culture. That's a great way of putting it. I never thought about that. That, that's a great way of putting it, is how people talk about the company when they're not in front of you and to their personal friends and family. What are, you mentioned the Xbox thing. Do you have any like kind of crazy like uh, uh, rules or whatever it is like in your company that people would look at and be like, wow, you allow that? Or really that happens at your company? Are there any like, like weird things? Um, a couple of things I'm thinking of just off the top of my head. I mean, we've got a cool office. You'll have to come visit sometime because- sure. Uh, we have this culture we call hero culture here, where we're trying to, everybody's on a hero's journey to become better as a person. It's not just a job. It's a place to become better as a human being. And, and so if everybody's a hero on a hero's journey here, we say, where would heroes meet? So all of our conference rooms are named after like cool things like Hogwarts or the Batcave or whatever. And they're all decorated like that. So you go in the Batcave, it's like a giant Batcave in the whole conference. Room. That's it's awesome. Cool. That's really cool. So there's fun stuff like that. But in terms of like things that we do that are pretty radical, uh, we have unlimited uh, time off and we call it hero time. I, th I think you probably do that too. And then we have required time off and we call this uh, hero days. And this is where we say every single quarter, you need to take at least one day off where you just go and do something uh, quiet on your own, like meditative like go on a walk through the woods or um, or spend some time just reading and thinking because uh, uh, we think that great employees are very self-aware. They know what they want in life. They know where they stand and they know what their goals are. And so we want to give people time to really reflect and say, why am I here? This should not just be a job. If you're on a hero's journey, this is not just a job. You are trying to level up. So what do you need to do next to level up? That's awesome. So you have unlimited time off. We have that as well. I said that to our group of entrepreneurs uh, at the at the workshop I attended, and surprisingly, most of the group were just like, "What? How do you even do <laughs> yeah, that?" Exactly. Like that doesn't make sense. And I'm just like, I'm a traveler. Like before, yeah. I had my kid. Now we're trying to work it out. But we went on a three month uh, uh, backpacking trip, a two month backpacking trip, another three week back. Like we did long extended vacations, and I just remember like Ben. 
my best ideas yep. came during that time off. If I could take you back to just my notes that I put in, I'm on the plane and I'm just like typing all my notes. I've got my journal. I'm writing all these things. The idea for commercial claims advocate and having an online course and a book to assist public adjusters that have a product, my first product that I'm selling online came on a flight from Spain to Florida reading four hour work week. You know, it's just like when you go on a trip and you have time to decompress, you have time to unwind, it really allows you to just take a step back. And yes, it's time off, but you and I are probably similar and a lot of other entrepreneurs, we're still thinking about work anyway or different things. And it's just such good ideas. And then after that, when you come back, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my, one of my guys, commercial claims advocate, I would say he's our integrator. Um, I remember he was just working like a dog in the beginning. I mean, we were just coming out with so much content. It was just so intense. And it was just him and me. I was shooting it. He was posting it, all kinds of stuff. And um, he's like, I need a break. And I'm like, I know I can tell go away. So he yeah. went away for two weeks and it was like I had predicted because I, I felt it myself. He came back re-energized, ready to rock and roll, work twice as hard as he was working before. And I think it's two things. It's the, it's the time off that's very important to, to decompress and just sort of refuel. But it's also, in my opinion, I think was what other people have told me is just allowing them, caring about them to a point where you need this for you. Like you need to do this for your own health so that you could be a better person. I think a lot of, I think employees really, they really value that in an yeah. organization. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, now the way to implement that, if, uh, and you probably do this already, is to make sure everybody in the company has key metrics or numbers that they're on the hook for. So that you say, well, what, what unlimited time off? That doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it does. If you know that you're on the hook for uh, some kind of goal or number, as long as you're hitting your number, like, yeah, we're going to say yes. If you're missing your number, we're going to say, no, you can't take time off right now because we're going to miss on this and this and this. And then we expect people to actually care about the company mission and stuff. So if we have a massive deadline and it's all hands, yeah, you're not coming in saying, hey, I got to be gone on the most important day of the year for the company. You're going to be here because you care about the company. So we call it life balance. It's about what works for you and what works for the company and find the balance in that. So I knew this was going to happen. Let's, let's rewind here, Ben, and let's go back to job Nimbus. And yep. you, infuse the, you infuse with money. You start yep. going out there. You start raising capital. I think you said this was about, I wrote it down. I think you said 2020, was it? Yeah. I so the, uh, the end of 2020, we raised $53 million. And uh, that was the biggest round ever in home exterior software at the time. And it wow. still is actually. And then, uh, and then we've just been growing ever since. Uh, we, we didn't quite double last year. We're like 96% growth, but I mean, still really impressive for our scale. Companies of this scale and size do not get that big that fast. So it's, it's we're doing cool things right now and we're, um, you know, we're on this big journey right now with our investors, but there, here's the thing. We were able to uh, retain a lot of control of the company because we raised in a good time, good climate. Uh, when, the, when the company didn't need the money, we just use it to grow with it. And then we've enhanced our support team. Our, uh, our product team has more than tripled. We've got so many developers here now and, and we're releasing new stuff every month. So we're, we're in a really good place as a company in terms of customer value right now. Sounds like, sounds like COVID worked out well for you. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were honestly scared like everybody going into it. Like everybody, our sales went to zero that week that they announced it because everybody's saying, yeah, no, I don't want to buy anything right now because we're going to just see what happens. And so we had to weather the storm and we actually did a ton of stuff. I said, I, we got savings. We've got money. This was before we raised or uh, uh, right after we raised money. But we said, you know what? Like, let's, if customers are really struggling, let's give them a uh, uh, furlough. Like, like, look, you can use job numbers for free for three months. Let's just, we want you to be here. We want to support your business. And that made, meant so much to customers. We had so many customers that we really helped them. And, and I, th- I felt, felt like we showed who we really are. We care more about them than anything else, you know? Um, okay. <clears throat> so you are here now. And what is yep. it that you guys have in store uh, for the industry? Are there any exciting things that you can talk about and you can discuss for the for the listeners here that love and are and are just huge advocates for job nimbus? Because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of huge fans out there. Yeah. So a couple things uh coming down the pike in the next uh little bit here. We've already both of these are in beta, so I can talk about them. First one is uh smart estimates which is like a new version of our estimating platform. Estimating platform is very popular. Uh, More than half our customers use it on a daily basis. And with that estimating tool, we've been been trying to figure out ways that we can make it more automated to estimate things. So what I always say to owners is like, well, who's the best estimator in your company? And they always say myself, which is true. I said, what if we could make it so every employee was as good at estimating a job and as accurate as you were? And they say, yeah, sign me up. That's what smart estimate is. It's a, just an automated tool to estimate the way the owner would um, and makes estimating five minutes instead of 45 minutes or whatever. Uh, so super excited about that. Uh, highly requested, uh, at least the concept that it was requested, but I think we did something really innovative that nobody's ever had before. And, and then the other one that I'm super excited about, if you think about when we talk to customers, what their biggest problems are, uh, the top three that come up all the time are uh, communication, which they don't say it that way. They say other things like uh, letting down customers, people are not on the same page, logistics problems. But really, it's a communication problem in the business. Uh, they always say labor right now. Getting labor is really hard to do. And they always say materials, mostly because of supply chain problems. Supply The supply chain will get fixed by next year. The labor problems will be fixed somewhat as the economy um, goes into recession, possibly, because there'll be a lot more people out of work. But the communication problem is still going to be there. So we've been working on something for a while now that we're super excited about. We call it Engage, Job Nimbus Engage. And the idea is you've got to engage with your customer, you've got to engage with your team. And so it's a text messaging platform, email platform, basically every type of communication that you want to do you can do right there and it tracks it all per job. Um, it's next level. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. And it's going to make it so easy to be the best contractor to your property owner. They'll say, wow, I love working with this company because they're so communicative. And it's just doing that's, it all for you. That's amazing. Um, I think, I mean, I did hear one of the things that I've heard on the public adjusting side was having like a portal that customers can go in and like find a way that reminds me of that. I think that's something different, but is that something that would possibly help solve that issue in communicating with your customer, making sure that they understand of where it is. Like we have our claims and it's a life of a claim and we file the claim, we follow up with the insurance company. It goes from one stage to the next, 
where we don't copy our client on every single email communication, they'll they'll text us or call us, you know, a few weeks into it and say, hey, you guys aren't doing anything with our claim. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we are. Is that something similar? Yeah. The, the, so what you're what you're seeing there, we did a lot of research on homeowner, property owner on this. They the average person does not want to have a portal they have to go log into or a link to remember to go check on. They want to receive, they want to broadcast messages to them, right? And so that's the whole concept of this is, yes, we do already have a portal. You can link and you can send it. But what we found is most homeowners don't have the time or remember to do that. They just get frustrated. Instead, why not send automatic text messages about everything that's going on the job, automatic emails about what's going on the job. So you look like, oh my gosh, you're over communicating. These people are amazing. That's the whole concept behind Engage. Nice. You think that could work for us as well? Yes, for sure. I think it could make a, a, a big difference for any business like yours. Uh, the other thing that uh, this is really interesting to me, we did a bunch of surveys on homeowners. One thing we found is they the number one reason they give a bad review, like a, like a two or a one star review, is communication. They, and then the follow-up is more interesting because maybe everybody goes, yeah, I know. The follow-up's more interesting. If asked if they were communicated well, but all the job problems still happen the same way as before, would you give in a higher re review? Every single person said yes. It was like 99%. And so that tells you something. People understand that it's hard to do projects. They get it. They just want to know what's going on. The average homeowner you talk to is like, I don't know. They said they're going to be out on Tuesday and then nobody was here. And then suddenly with people are here on Thursday and I didn't know why. And then they left stuff and I didn't, they didn't get much done. That's the norm of how a homeowner experiences a job right now. I'm cracking up. I'm laughing because I used to say the same thing for so many years in the beginning of my career where the attorneys maybe that would get my claims or the reviews that I would get, people would always ask like, you know, because my clients love me. And I have had some awful settlements. Yeah, I have had right. some settlements where like, Vince, this is like not what we need. I was hoping I could have gotten them more. But because I was there, because I always answered their phones, because I always responded to their text message, because I always followed up with them and made sure I was just holding their hands and I was always there, always accessible. It was like, yeah, I used to tell people all the time, like that's that's really the only thing they care about. So I have a buddy of mine who, you know, he'll get a phone call in and he doesn't like to answer the phone because he knows that they're going to be complaining about something. I'm like, dude, it doesn't matter. The fact that you answer, they could be mad that the world is is, is crashing down on them. But the fact that your voice is there and even if you don't have an answer for them, Hey, we don't have anything right now. Uh, let me see what I can do. Let me take a look at it and I'll get back to you or something. Just the fact that you answered your phone. and you, I mean, that is like, yeah, it's night and day. So that's really cool. That's really cool, Ben. So any update that happens throughout the process, they'll be like sent a text message or an email, yeah, so whatever it is. We have this tool called automation. So you can set it up to trigger on anything. It's got templated messages in there. So you don't even have to tap something out. If you want to respond, you just say, uh, respond with this and it puts in the name, the job number, whatever you want into the message and sends it. And so as the, if you look at the view, you'll, it'll almost look like a regular text message conversation inside a job Nimbus, but some of them will be automated messages. Some will be human ones that you sent and the homeowner has no idea of the difference. It just feels so smooth. And yet it's doing a ton of work for you and really managing that communication structure for the homeowner. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool. 
Anything else? Anything else happening? Or is that, you know, so we've got, got a lot of other things cooking, but those are the things coming out uh, this coming quarter. I mean, I'd smart estimates should be out in just a couple of days. Honestly, it's already um, really far along. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, Ben, I know you're a busy guy. I don't want to keep you too long. I think we provided a ton of value. We talked about Job Nimbus, where it's been, where it's going. We talked a hell of a lot about business, entrepreneurship. I think we pretty much hit everything. Is there anything else that you'd like to close with? The only thing I would say is uh, I would just go back to that why. As a business owner, if you're listening and you're saying, man, it's really hard. I totally get it. It is super hard. That's actually the fun of it. Why not do hard things in life? That's the people that we always talk about and look back on are the people that actually done hard things and, and actually made something happen. So keep at it and stay focused less on the money and more on your why. Why are you doing the business? What's the mission that you're trying to accomplish? And make that guide you every day. That'll get you through the hard times. And just know there's people like Vince and I that are cheering you on all the time. I write it at the top of my journal every single day. Why? Question mark, question mark. And I put down my whys. I got to remind myself. All right, Ben, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you. I hope that I can take a trip out there soon uh, to meet you in person and take out and check out the office and check out the facility. That's great. All right, Ben, thanks.